tell. Hello. Use the false loop. Mr. John Marshall. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. What's up now? Spider friends, go for it. Transform and roll out. And I'll form the head. That's what she said. Don't. Hey, this is Jonathan. And this is Alan. And welcome to the Nerd Me Podcast. Jonathan, what are we talking about today? Alan, today we're discussing the newest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain Marvel. Excellent. Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So uh, how was your movie theater? Uh, well, I've seen it twice. And oh. I saw it Thursday at 7 and then Friday at around 3.30. And I would say Thursday at 7 was full. And it was playing in like six different theaters at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was packed. <clears throat> and then I saw it yesterday, uh, Friday. The show was about 90% full. What? Really? Yeah, which is bad for a 3.30 show. Yeah. So you went twice because you liked it so much? I went twice because I want to give, you know, I've been trying to give movies a fair shot. You know, I had this discussion before about how I'm not, how the first time I see it, I'm very, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, maybe more critical because I'm just trying to figure things out and all mm-hmm. that. And then right. I'll go a second time just so I can relax and enjoy it as a movie goer. Oh, nice. Okay. So, and I want to be able to give it a fair shake, especially this movie with all the controversies around. I wanted to make sure I was giving it a fair shake when we talked about it today. Look at you. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> my theater was putting out this movie every fifteen minutes, and Jeez. it's the same as today. I looked online, um, and it's it's pretty much like that on all my local movie theaters. There's about five in my area, and they're all about the same. So it, it made me think. Like, if you wanted to manufacture numbers, <laughs> you can do that, right? By, by like, having every single time possible to see this movie, uh, it made it super flexible. You know, like, when, when my daughter and I went, you know, when I saw it was every 15 minutes, I, I was just like, okay, you know, when you, when you get out of school, we'll just go. <laughs> and then, you know, just, just hit the next available um, movie theater. And I did ask the lady as to, you know, how packed it is. And they said, right now, we're there. the movie that I saw, they're running at 2% full. And she said, all the, you know, from from every 15 minutes, they're all completely available. So my theater was not packed. There was probably maybe about, oh, 10, 10 to 15, probably. So definitely not a full movie theater at all. And I went... What time did you see it on a Friday? This was around 3.30-ish. Or so on a Friday, right? On a Friday, right? So, yeah. Well, my thing was when I saw it was Thursday night and it was in six theaters, I was like, "Well, that's five other movies that don't get a chance to open up." You know what I mean? Mm, right. So I was like, "That's you know," and it doesn't give people a lot of choices to see anything else <laughs> if they want to go to a movie. You know? So isn't that kind of like monopolizing the movie theater? Like, you know, you don't have a lot of choices to to. You know what can you do to watch to go against it when there's when Captain right. Marvel's in every theater, right? So I, I mean I don't know maybe that's just the way Disney rolled it out. I don't know with the theaters how that works. I've never seen that before, even with Star Wars. I mean Star Wars is a big movie, and I don't recall it you know completely dominating every single movie you know uh, theater like Captain Marvel. It was just. I just never seen anything like that before. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen something being shown every fifteen minutes before. So, or maybe this is the new trend. Who knows? 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm, well, the thing with Endgame is if it's three hours long, you know, they're they're going to have to put it in the budget theaters. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the runtime so with this was, what, just a little over two? Maybe just two, exactly. Maybe just two, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, you're right. Two hours and five minutes. Okay. So, um, like we said, the stars Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, Jude, Jude, I was going to say Judd, Jude Law, and Ben Mendelsohn, who uh, Ben Mendelsohn is becoming very quickly becoming like the go-to bad guy. He's like the <laughs> new um, Hans Gruber. Who, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Um, who played Hans Gruber? Oh, um, see now you put. Oh, I like him too. Yeah, yeah, he's becoming like the new Hans Gruber. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the English guy you go to for all the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, he's done three straight bad guys in a row, right? Uh, he was the bad guy in this. He was a bad guy in the Robin Hood movie that tanked a couple of months ago. Oh, that's four then. Um, he was a bad guy in Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. And Rogue One. He, and Rogue One. And he, yeah. That's it. You know, he can probably play, if they ever rebooted The Breakfast Club, he can he can play the principal. Yeah, he could. <laughs> He's mean enough. <laughs> He's got that look. He was also in... He was in uh, one of the Batman movies too, Dark Dark Knight Rises. He was. Yeah, he's the one that hires Catwoman to rob or something. Remember, she she like holds him up against the wall with her foot. Oh really? Okay. She, he, he's like a gangster <laughs> or business businessman or something. He was trying to take over Wayne Enterprises. I don't know. He gets killed by Bane earlier in the movie. Okay. So let me, can I ask you a question about this movie? Sure. Um, so going in. Oh wait a second. Uh. This is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode, so if you haven't seen it yet, press pause. There you Maybe go. go see the movie, come back and press play. <laughs> if you haven't figured out we've seen the movie already, we just discussed the first six <laughs> minutes of our experience in the movie. No, no, you're, you're correct. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, you and I both Sweet. said that we were, uh, what, right? Probably lukewarm about this movie going in. Yes. Did it meet? You know, did it not meet? Did it go over your expectations? What, what are your initial thoughts well I was, I was trying not to go into this with any expectations i was concerned about it. i was lukewarm about it in regards to what role how this movie will set her up for endgame and just hope hoping it'll be a good movie i i would say i went into this the same way i went into the first guardians doctor strange and the first ant-man like you know it was that why they picked this movie well i would say the first guardians actually because that was the first one I was really worried. Like, why did they pick this group of characters? Who are these actors? Because, you know, they weren't, I mean, you know who some of the actors are, but, you know, how are they doing these roles? Right. Yeah, you know, how are you going to make a good story out of these characters? And obviously, surprised, very surprised with Guardians. Love Guardians. Um, still felt a little trepidatious around Doctor Strange, although I did, I did love Bender Cumberbatch. So uh, I felt good about Doctor, or which came first, Amen or Doctor Strange? I can't remember. Amen. Oh, okay, so I'm sorry. A little trepidation about Ant-Man, especially with um, Paul Rudd. I was like, he's a comedian. What are they doing? Saw it, and then I was like, oh, okay, really, I really enjoyed it. So a little bit trepidations about Doctor Strange, but I, I learned from the past two, Guardians and Ant-Man, that maybe I should trust Marvel and what they're doing. Um, for some reason with this movie, that went out the window in regards to my trust for Marvel because it just – I don't know, the signs beforehand, it just didn't seem like it was going to end the same way. Um, so I would say I went into this feeling the same way I did the first Guardians movie. Like, what are they doing? Why did they pick this character? 
is just going, you know, because we've been talking about their their, their first um, kind of, well, I won't say flop, but not such a great movie. Um, and, you know, they're due for one because they've been hitting on all cylinders recently. Right. And uh, so that was my fear going into this. Um, I didn't want to be bored. I, did, I wanted to like the movie I, and I wanted to like the character, especially since we're going to be seeing more of her in Endgame. So that was my thought going into it. How about you? I pretty much had a, a clean mind, I think. Again, I went in with, you know, really no expectations. Uh, we've said before that whenever they would cast somebody or, or pick particular movies to do, we would always say, we trust in Feige, you know, because he knows what he's doing. And, and you know, to have 10 years of movies and each one, you know, they're not all, like, perfect. But I would say at least they're enjoyable, you know, from... From Winter Soldier down to like Thor two, you know, kind of like like that spectrum. Though not all were great, but I enjoyed them nonetheless. Um, so I, I kind of had that mindset into it. Captain Marvel is definitely a character, that, though. You know, I, I did read comic books. Is one that, uh, God, it's so muddy in my head because it seems like it was played. It, it was either a different character all the time, or it was a dis- different costume all the time. But I just remember them trying to start something up and it it just didn't work in comic book format maybe i remember there's one time i think peter david was writing it and captain marvel was kind of like split between himself and rick jones do you remember that one right he was uh that captain marvel and that was pretty successful that was yeah. the um he was the son of the original captain marvel right Marvel. right yeah, yeah. and i was Genis, Genis, Genis marvel Genis. i forgot his name g-e-n-i-s was his first name yeah, I would say of all the iterations of Captain Marvel, that's probably the one that that resonates with me to most because I like I like Peter David. He wrote it extremely well, and it did kind of remind me of Firestorm. You know, he's like that split character too, um, right? But other than that, you know, as a recent pick for this movie, uh, Captain Marvel for for Marvel to do, it was an unusual one. But just like Guardians of the Galaxy, it was one of those. Oh, this is gonna flop. This is gonna be Marvel's first poo poo. And so, you know, for them to choose Captain Marvel, it was different. But I think we were expecting this. I think we were making that leap into the cosmic world of the Marvel Universe with Guardians and, you know, Thor Ragnarok. We're, we're touching upon that. So when it started off in space, I was I was kind of comfortable with it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, this is unusual where I, I think the first half of the of the Marvel franchise was everything was based on Earth. So, right. Yeah. Well, well, because of Guardians, we were introduced to the Kree, so they were familiar, and they opened the movie on the Kree homeworld. First time we've seen it, but we had a, a general idea who the Kree were from Korath and Ronan the Accuser, who make appearances in this movie. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there was nothing about this movie that was uncomfortable in regards to uh, anything new. Um, I, yeah, so I went into it. You know, like I do with all Marvel movies, I really want to like it. I yeah. really, really want it. Right. And I hope they live up to that. Um, look, uh, for me, the, the I don't even want to say worse because I don't know if that's the right word, but the my least favorite movies of the Marvel Universe, you know, before walking into this movie was Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk. Now, Iron Man 2 I can watch over and over again for sure. various reasons. But as, as a movie, as a story structure, it's not a great movie. But it's a, it, I can find fun in it. Incredible Hulk is a little bit boring for me, but I think a lot of that is because I was never a Hulk guy anyway. Are you talking about the Ang Lee one or the 
No, I'm talking about that's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, it's the, um, right. Okay. Ed the Norton uh, version. Ed Norton one is yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's going to be kind of official, unofficial Hulk movie for for the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe. But at, beside those two, I, I mean, I can you could pop in any uh, any movie, and I'll sit down and watch it. I mean, I will watch Iron Man too, but again, story wise, oh, and Thor: The Dark World. I'm sorry, Thor: The Dark World can has moments that are just like eye rolling, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so how does this fall amongst all of your movies? And if, if you're if you're bringing that up, all right, uh, this will be my. It's in my top three of least favorite. Okay, okay, yeah. Gotcha. I found it boring. I found it. I found her uninspiring. Um, the character. Um, found it very um, mundane. Just it was very paint by numbers for me. Yeah, and uh, nothing that I that no time did I feel that anybody was in any real danger, that there are any real stakes going on. Sure. So yeah, so it, the thing is, the the second time I saw it because I wanted to see it again for the show, I saw it right after work, and all day during work, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to see this movie again. <laughs> I don't want to see this movie again. <laughs> and it wasn't because I hated it; it was like I just don't want to sit and be bored for two hours. It was that anticipation of the two hours going by so slowly. Um. I'll be honest with you. I, I fell after she gets captured by the scrolls and they go into her brain for about ten minutes. Yeah, I fell asleep during that part. That's pretty. Um, and then, <laughs> then I, yeah. Well, and I woke up again. <clears throat> and I guess the best the best part about the second showing was that it, it didn't feel like two hours. So I was like, when it was over, <laughs> I was like, oh okay. So I guess it, I don't I don't want to say it kept me interested, but I was like, okay, now this part's coming up. I'm watching this part again, and and as I was watching, I wanted to make sure I I remembered stuff from the day before, and and did I see the you know did that line go over right? You know what I noticed though, okay. and when I went for uh, Thursday night, the audience laughed everywhere they were supposed to laugh. Now I'm not I'm I'm about to say something. It might sound like I'm whatever hoity-toity or whatever but and i'm by far not a comedian but i think uh tv shows have comedy shows have trained people to to laugh when they want them to laugh not when something is funny does that make sense yeah yeah so i think there are a lot of lines in captain marvel that are supposed to be funny that are supposed to elicit a genuine laugh but don't but because people feel like they should laugh they laugh Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think there was a lot of that Thursday night at 7 o'clock. But then I went yesterday at 3.30. A lot of the jokes didn't land. A lot of jokes I felt that shouldn't have landed the night before didn't land at 3.30. So I was like, all right, I respect this audience a little bit more. <laughs> um, because I think objectively some of the things that were said weren't funny, but they're they're supposed to be funny so people would laugh. So did your second viewing experience, did it change your, your thoughts of it at all? Like did it – did you think, oh, well, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought, or wow, this is a lot worse than I thought, or were, were you pretty mediocre? I will say this. When I walked out Thursday, I was saying to myself, I was disappointed in this movie. Uh-huh. And I was very worried, and we'll talk about this later, but I was worried about, I was really, really worried Thursday after the movie about that movie's effect on end games. And there are reasons why that happened in the movie, which we'll talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I walked out yesterday, I was just. A, I was like, part of like I said, I was like, oh, okay, well, at least I didn't feel bored for two hours. Um, but I, I was bored. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I didn't, like 
Yeah. Like I didn't have that long passage of time feeling, but I walked out going, all right, well, that happened again. <laughs> well, I, I think we need to address this, though, because I, I already said that, you know, my background of Captain Marvel is probably that Peter David run. But, you know, you've been reading comic books longer than me and, you know, you're more in depth with those kind of characters. What would you say your level of knowledge of Captain Marvel? Well, she left, uh, didn't she do their Avengers at one time, too? She led them, yeah. Well, here's the thing. There's – we talk about two different things here because there's Captain Marvel because there's been a few heroes that were – that used the name Captain Marvel in the Marvel Universe. Right. There's, so there's, there's, there's that. There's Captain Marvel and then there's Carol Danvers. And they have two – up until they make Carol Captain Marvel about 10 years ago, there's two very different paths that they took. So my first introduction to the hero Captain Marvel was Monica Rambeau, who um, her powers are very different than the original Captain Marvel. She she could turn into light and had all these light powers, and she was the leader of the Avengers. Photon. Um, back, well, now she's Photon, or I used to think they changed her name again, but... Um, she was Captain Marvel. She had she was given like the blessing to use the name Captain Marvel right. by either the old Captain Marvel or the family of that Captain Marvel. She wore a white costume. She was great because she was she was the first leader. Well, after after the Wasp, when I started reading, I believe the Wasp was the leader of the Avengers, mm-hmm. and then she became the leader. And she was good because she felt like she was like one of the newer. Avengers, you know, she she wasn't confident in herself to be, you know, lead, like, who am I to lead Captain America and Thor? Um, but she grew into the role, and that was fun to read. Um, so I really liked her as Captain, and she was she was Captain Marvel in Secret Wars, where if you, you know, as you know, we've talked about in our comic book episode, Secret Wars was my really first introduction to the comic book world of Marvel. Right. So she was the first Captain Marvel I knew, and um, I I liked her. And then they did this whole thing with, um, you know, the original Captain Marvel's son, which we were talked about, about Peter David. And I think there are a couple, one or two people in between that had the name. And then eventually they gave it to Carol, who was Miss Marvel. She's had a couple identities. I think she started as Miss Marvel. Um, and she got her powers through some Kree thing, I think. And um, she got into a fight with Rogue. Rogue from the X-Men started out as a villain. She got into a battle with Rogue, and Rogue absorbed a lot of like um, you know you know when Rogue holds you, she absorbs your powers. But if she holds on too long, she can absorb like your 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 personality and stuff like that. Right. So she she wound up absorbing uh, Captain Marvel's. I mean, what was her name? Miss Marvel's Miss Marvel's flight and and super strength and part of Carol's personality. And that was a running thing in the in the comic books early on. Rogue about. You know, which is, you know, what is really Rogue and what is really Carol. Not that Carol was inside her, but she had a lot of her personality traits. And um, and then she became a hero called Binary, who who was with the Star Jammers. Uh, this is really getting convoluted, but so you have a good knowledge of Captain Marvel, is what you're saying, right? Even though there's different and iterations. Of, yeah. So did that? So this is what I was trying to think. You know, when I was watching this movie. <sighs> okay, so you know we're ten years in already. And I would say that the previous Marvel films have been characters that I think that um, I would say it, it maybe enhance the comic book universe or at least flesh some things out with, with them taking some liberties and stuff. And this one, I think I went in there without really knowing, gosh, not really knowing much about this character because it is mm-hmm. you know very new to me. So is I was wondering what Marvel was thinking this time. Are, are they... 
basically taking characters from the comic book universe and just using them as known properties and saying, okay, well, we got that. We're going to take some bits of information, but now we're going to tell our own story with them, you know, and, and, and maybe that's a good, maybe that's a bad thing. Cause you know, we had a show recently about people reading comic books and, and almost like the downfall of comic books. So I was wondering, maybe this is maybe the most logical choice of actually really <laughs> creating their own, I guess, vision of Captain Marvel versus following something in comics because it is it is convoluted. There's, like you said, different characters and and uh, different people that played that role and stuff. And I I, I was trying to think, well, is is this going to be like the future? Is it, is this what we're going to be de- like dealing with now? You know, and and it because I wasn't really attached to Captain Marvel, I think my mind was a little bit more open about that character. You know, right. Um, I'm not saying it made the movie better. I'm just saying, like, I, I think I really had nothing to compare it to. You know, when we think about um, Robert Downey taking on Iron Man, I mean, that was like, wow, that's that's a brilliant choice. It satisfied the, the comic book person in, in me as as well as, like, the movie Marvel Cinematic Universe. And with Brie Larson's, you know, portrayal of Captain Marvel, I didn't really have anything to compare it to, really, other than just what I saw on screen. You know, and so like when you see the masses of of people watching this movie, because we have this, you know, there's a Rotten Tomato score, then there's a viewer score, then there's the the comic book crowd, and then the non comic book crowd. You know, like I know people that only watch just the movies and you know nothing else like that, and and it seems like they're, I guess everyone's kind of slowly pulling away from the comic book universe and just using comic book ideas i i think at this point maybe it does work you know i mean look look at the drastic changes they did with aquaman i mean it's just a whole new look for aquaman but they use the essence of aquaman you know right so yeah so for well, me I, you, I, I, oh, go ahead well when you what did you think when you walked out of the movie uh boy so i went in mediocre i i kind of i left Still feeling mediocre. Now, if I were to think of it as a popcorn flake, okay, I mean, it's a popcorn flake. There's lots of bright lights and big sounds and cool visual effects. And, you know, like if you're going to, if you're into that kind of thing, well, then I, I guess it's hitting all the right beats because this, this is a very safe movie to me. You know, I, I don't think they did anything risky at all. There is definitely no surprises. Even like the big twist towards the end, it was just like, it wasn't as hard of a twist as I thought it was going to be. And in regards to character development, oh boy, there was not. I couldn't care less about character members. You right, know, you right. have a character that that, uh, let's say, doesn't know her past. And from what little I know of this person, I think I know more than she does in regards to her character as who she's supposed to be. And so that journey of this whole movie was all right. Get to the point. Get to the point where you figure out who you are, so I can start enjoying this movie because I knew right. way too much than she did, and I don't even know this character. You know, I yeah, just, I just... Says, yeah. The, the, the whole thing of her having amnesia or whatever is is ridiculous because the whole audience, it's not like we're discovering things about her with her. You know, we know already she's a fighter pilot. We know she's from Earth. We know her name's Carol Danvers. They call her Veers through two thirds of the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you feel like just stop calling her that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah. You know, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you right now. Yeah. I feel like I've been holding back on this thing because I really want to. I got a lot of problems with this movie. Oh, go for it. Yeah. And I just don't 
think the look they spend the whole first two thirds of the movie telling her she's too emotional she's got to hold you know hold her emotions in she's not emotional she's she's the most stoic person I've ever seen right and at no point is she emotional even at the point when she realizes oh she she can let go because it winds up making her more powerful or whatever she exhibits no more emotion after that point than she did before that point right um her i think what's supposed to be confidence comes off as cockiness and almost a bit of an a-hole type thing mm-hmm. i don't know if you got that uh because i kept thinking like there's a big difference between being confident and being um and self-assured and just kind of being a jerk and i felt like she was being a jerk to a lot of people with her a lot of her comments yeah um so I, I know there's supposed to be jokes and all that, but they just didn't land. And um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just don't know. Because, look, we went into Guardians not knowing who Star-Lord was. You know, I mean, I, I had remembered a character in a comic named Star-Lord, but it wasn't this guy. And so I went in there not knowing anything about Star-Lord. Right. And what, what I know about Star-Lord now, I know from the movies. And yes. that means they did a great job of creating the character of Star-Lord. I don't know who Captain Marvel is. I don't know who Carol Danvers is. I mean, I know the bio, the, the bio facts, you know, if you had to write down her biography. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you who she is as a person. I couldn't tell you what she believes in. I can't tell you what what motivates her. I can't tell you any of this stuff. No, no, you're correct. I mean, <laughs> I think that was the issue I had with her. Honestly, like, when she had the costume on, her outfit, it, boy, she was she played the role like a robot and and i think i was kind of perturbed with that in the sense that you know i thought they chose brie larson because of her acting chops and i'm not saying she's a terrible actor all i'm saying is how how she was directed i'm not going to blame brie on this one I'm, I'm just saying maybe this is how she was directed to act but she just came off as like a robot like an like an alien very flat affect i mean jude law who is supposedly the same race as her had way more personality than she did right and i would say the only time i actually felt like i was trying to connect with with her was when she you know threw off her her uniform it was wearing her you know her civilian clothes and she met up with her friend and when they sat down at that table i'm I'm saying to myself finally show me who you are you know show me your personality and i and even at that point she was outacted by her friend and i felt well, more connection with her and personality wise and in emotion wise with her friend than yeah. i did with carol danvers well i think some of her best scenes and, and where we get a little better glimpse of who carol was is when she's with the kid and oh yeah yeah her right. scenes her scenes with the kids was great and she won the academy award for or the movie Room, where she was kidnapped with with a, a little boy. Yeah, it wasn't her son. It might have been her son. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember the movie. But she was kidnapped with the little boy, and her, she had great scenes with this kid. And maybe she just works really well with kids. I don't know. But um, I, I'm with you. I'm blaming 99 of this, or at least 90 percent of this, on on the directing. I also think 10 percent of it is Brie Larson. Um, I'll, I, the best example is this: the, the mid credit scene is a scene taken right from Endgame where they are addressing Fury's beeper. And the scene ends with her walking into the room addressing the Avengers. It's Cap, uh, War, War Machine, Black Widow, and Hulk, you know, but they're all in civilian costumes. And, she, you know, she walks in with, where's Fury? Nothing, and she's the only one in costume. 
nothing about that made me feel like I felt like I was supposed to be like, oh man, it's about to go down. Like you know, yeah. Nothing about that scene me, and I felt like I'm like she doesn't belong in that company of heroes. I don't. She didn't have the same screen presence as the other four uh, heroes in that scene, and that bothered me. That bothered me a lot. I, I get what you feel. When I saw Cap, it's really interesting. They pulled up that scene with with Cap and all those guys, and my emotions changed. It almost an I I fell into a, a different universe, very separate right. from where you know. Kara Danvers is from a different universe. My mood changed. My feeling changed. It's almost like a whole seriousness change. Like I felt I was brought right back to Infinity War in regards to how heavy this scene's supposed to be. When she pops up, it was almost like she became the comic book character, <laughs> and and Steve Rogers was like us. You know, like we were the real right. people, and she just seemed so out of character. Just like where's Fury? I'm like. I'd be like, who, who the F are you? I'm, I'm surprised Scarlet Witch is a puncher in the face. Like, who the hell are you? Where'd you come from? But she just didn't feel like she belonged with that group. It almost seemed like like she was a joke compared to, well, here's the thing. Captain America, we, we've had, I guess, the luxury of watching him grow as a character for the last 10 years, as well as Scarlet Witch and, and all those guys. So I think right. we have that stronger connection to them. But even still, yeah, you're so right. When she came on film, I was supposed to be like, ooh. You know, like the end of Ant-Man and Wasp, when they did their little end trailer scene, I was like, what? You know, like, well, what's going on here? You know, how cool is that? This was like, oh, no. I got this really sick feeling in my stomach. And and you hit upon this before about how they may use Captain Marvel in the next movie. I got, dude, I got very scared. Really, really scared about they might ruin Endgame. If this movie was supposed to get us excited for Endgame, it had the opposite effect on me. I am so worried about Endgame now. And first of all, the Russo Brothers' decision, if they directed that scene, the decision to have Widow turn around, she just pops up standing there, Captain Marvel, it was so stupid. It's like, we know they're in Avengers Compound. How did she get... You know, how did you get through all the security and stuff like that to just be standing there? I, I don't know. That that made, that made credit seem really upset me. Because <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't display uh, any powers of time jumping, right? I mean, she just popped no. out of nowhere. She just kind of well, literally just walks in the room and they're like, what? Alan, what are her powers? Uh, her, uh, you know what her power is? To be able to do whatever she needs to get done. Right, right. Yeah, if she needs, if she needs a big, uh, a, a big uh, concussive blast, she can make a big concussive blast. If she has to fly, how come during the whole movie, even after she taps into her, all her powers, she has to wear that helmet and stuff in space? And at the very end, she's just, you know, her hair is flowing and she's not wearing that helmet anymore. Yeah, is that a new power? She can breathe in space now. Sure. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Towards uh, the end, I got the feeling like, ooh, okay, so this is Superman. And, you know, my issues with Superman is how interesting is a person that has has no flaws. You look at all of our previous heroes. I mean, even you know, Captain America has flaws. You know, he's he's a he's one of those sad characters. He's a guy out of time. You know, Tony Stark. I mean, all of our Marvel heroes have their flaws. This one's flawless, you know, and, the, and then if I'm if they're going to build like a trilogy around her, what can they possibly do to this person to actually hurt this person's uh, you know, character at all. I mean, she's impervious to everything. For someone well, to be is... imbued with all that power, all of a sudden she's just kicking everyone's ass. And it's like, okay, well, that's nice. Well, this is just very boring all of a sudden. You know, this is why Superman works 
because Superman, when he's done right at least, Superman's flaw is his humanity. Right. It's why it's yeah. why people got so upset that he murdered General Zod so easily yeah. when in the original Superman 2, you know, he's beaten the three of them in the middle of New York. And what do they do? They threaten the populace. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's they're like, he. it's a literal line in Superman 2. He cares for these whatever they call animals or whatever he called them. These these ants, whatever uh, like Zod called them. And then they started attacking. <laughs> yeah, like pets. And then he started attacking uh, the civilians. And that's when Superman flew away to save the civilians to move the fight or, or to, to get it out of there. So when, when Superman's humanity is in display, his personality, it makes for compelling movies. And it doesn't matter how strong and how powerful he is. That is going to be his weakness. What is her weakness? I don't understand this. I don't understand I don't know. I don't understand anything about her. I don't know why she was doing what she was doing. Why did she fight for the Kree? Because they found her? Okay, fine. Why was she so willing to believe the scrolls after after a, t- a five second conversation? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. First of all, don't get me started on the black box because that black box should stop recording once the plane crashed. Right. How the heck does the, how's, <laughs> how's the black box know what happened after it exploded? Right. A- after after the, yeah. the engine exploded and imbued her with her powers, it's still allegedly recording what happened. Right. Tell that. Yeah. <laughs> I was confused. So because of that, I was I was like, oh, is the scroll lying now? You know, like, is he confabulating these ideas? Because you're right about that. I was, I was like, well, how does she know this stuff? You know, how could uh-huh. it be recording those, these kind of ideas and everything? So I was waiting for another twist, which I think I would have liked better. You know, <laughs> if, if it's, well, all, it's, a, the time, it's I, all the time that I he was lying to her, that I think that's more compelling. Yeah. And I think if it was, but even if it was done a little bit better, I liked the fact that the scroll, I could have liked it more that the scrolls weren't the bad guys. Right. You know, yeah. if they had done it a little bit better, I would have enjoyed that. But it's a lot of exposition. It's a lot of the, of the people talking and just telling us what's happening instead of showing us what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's really, you know, it's kind of like the expecting people, you know, this is funny, so you're going to laugh. It's it's not treating the audience as as intelligent people that have seen movies before. Sure. Yeah. Now, the kids in my theater, because it was 3.30, my second showing – a lot more kids were there. Okay. And they laughed at all the parts that were fine, that I felt I didn't laugh at. But I'm like, all right, as a kid, I would probably thought this was funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was fine. I, and the like, part I, I enjoyed that, I was like, all right, the kids are enjoying the movie. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the 21st, 20, 20th or 21st Marvel movie. They got to do better than this. <laughs> well, I mean, they have to. No, so this is my point about this movie. Is this movie the jumping on point where they're saying, okay, for the first 10 years, we did service to the us, you know, maybe our demographics, you know, right. our age group and stuff. Is this the start of the movie where they're saying, okay, from here on out, these are movies going to be for the people that don't read comic books. We have <laughs> the Marvel, you know, logo on there. Um, well, oh, we should talk about that one too. But, uh, you know, the Marvel logo on there, and this is just going to be from here on out. To me, this is what this is what I, honestly I was thinking about this from here on out. This is no longer I'm doing the quote fingers the the Marvel universe. This has now become Marvel Disney. You know, this, well, is, this is the thing. Th- yeah. This is what doesn't make sense to me because you, they're not making all this money with each movie just by comic book readers. You know, yeah. So they've been making these movies for the non comic book reader. If they're if they want to move this forward for whatever reason, that's fine. But I decided that after Endgame, 
I'm not a guarantee for all these Marvel movies. I'm going to take it by a movie-by-movie basis. I'm definitely going to go see Spider-Man. I don't know what comes out after that. I might not see The Eternals. I read The Eternals comic book. I was never a fan of it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I I really, really hope um, with the Skrulls making a turn, everybody's theories about Secret Invasion might have gone out the window. Well, it has to. Well, well that, I know they you know, introduce him, but that, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. That could be a small section of the yeah of the scroll survivors that feel that way, you know. Right, right. Um, and I was kind of glad about that. I'm like, I'm hoping after Endgame they don't do another ten year build up to something. Yeah, because I don't want I don't want to invest that time again. Right. I, if they can start doing with DC's movie, like, oh, here's a Spider Man movie. Oh, here's a here's Eternals. Oh, here's Captain Marvel two. Oh, Spider Man swinging through this 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 movie, you know. I'll be okay with that. I don't. I don't need them to build up to a big Avengers finale thing because if she's the future of the of the cinematic universe, you know, I'm a little concerned about that. I, I don't. I don't want to see her leading a team of Avengers. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And you said it, you know a great thing you just said before. I don't want to mention it is when you said when she appeared on screen with Captain America, you felt like it was a different universe. Yeah. And you're right. This whole movie doesn't feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because <laughs> you know why? Because Nick Fury doesn't act at one point in this movie like Nick Fury acts. Yeah. And I know it's 25 years earlier and he's a little younger, but there's no way he's he was that – he took a backseat like that to anybody. Um, you know, all the other stuff just doesn't make – and it was so – I mean how many times did they have to remind you that this was taking place in the mid-90s, <laughs> right? Yeah. It was, it was such overkill. I was just like, stop it. Even when she's at the phone booth, all the walls are plastered with posters from 90s bands and 90s this and that, 90s ads. Just stop it. It, it. it was ridiculous. And the music was – I don't know if they were trying to be Guardians in the Galaxy – but if if Suicide Squad this movie taught us anything, it taught us to appreciate the use of music in Guardians because mm-hmm. it was done so well in Guardians, so crappily in Suicide Squad, and I thought so bad in this one. First of all, if she left the planet Earth, if the crash happened in '89, they took her off of Earth. There's no way Nirvana's, um, I think it was "Come as You Are," she should have no knowledge of that song because that song came out when I was in college and I got to college in 1990. Right. So. And that's playing when when she talks to the Supreme Intelligence, when she's captured. Remember when Supreme oh, Intelligence yeah, goes, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. oh, I like the music. Good touch. Yeah. No, that, that she shouldn't know that song existed. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And then yeah. how on the nose do you have to be to play I'm Just a Girl in, one, in her big end fight? <laughs> yeah, this movie came to me, came across to me like with Nick Fury. and it, it was I was watching a buddy movie. You know, like I was watching like a right. like a lethal weapon kind of thing, you know, like, oh, this is it's a buddy movie, you know, and uh, it's it's again, I, I'm not blaming Bria. This is this is all. It's just how they're just directing. The writing. Sure. directing. It's just, yeah. I mean, her, uh, her portrayal of Captain Marvel is this stand tall, great posture and make some fists. And I'm telling you, every time and, she was like that, even when she was putting on her freak, you know, when they were um, modifying her costume in different colors, she was still doing the same, like, pose. I was like, will you, yeah. can you just do something else a little bit? And she, and she, I mean, she smiles in this movie. I'm not saying she has to smile, 
But she so she showed no other emotion on her face except for the occasional, you know, a uh, little smirk at her own joke or the smile she gave Stan Lee or when she was like I said, she was most natural when she was interacting with the kid and the, and the friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's when she seemed the most human and the most like a person. Right. Um, I just don't I don't I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't get it. Um, I liked Jude Law. I thought yeah. he was pretty cool. I thought he was really good. Yeah, and, I was thinking, oh uh, man, too bad he's he's playing this character. I was trying to think, oh, who who could he be? Like, could he be like Silver Surfer? Like, use him as like you know one of the heroes and stuff because he's he he did great. I mean, of all the the you know the quote unquote superhero characters, he probably had like the best lines, the most. You know, he sold it to me. He absolutely sold it. I'll tell you what. We learned more about the personality of every member of the Star Force in that little scene when they were getting on the ship the first time. Oh, yeah. Than we did about Captain Marvel in that whole movie. <laughs> uh, like, right. I would watch a yeah. movie. I would watch a movie on the Kree Star Force and see them go on missions. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. you're right. You know? I mean, too bad, too bad they're bad guys. but you know. <laughs> They were a cool team, actually. Yeah. Like, like I, I, Green Lantern Corps or something, you know? Almost, yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, I I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what the idea was. It's and is it Kevin Feige's fault? I mean, how can he be so good and just not get it with this movie? I don't I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Again, I think I think when Feige fleshed out his first ten years, he he had a vision. He knew the direction. He knew the Marvel properties. I mean, enough to make movies. And from here on out, this is very, this is very, has it's it's the last Jedi, bro. It's it's that we're ushering a new vision of these characters that we that we were familiar with, but it's it's not for us anymore. You know, this that's how I felt about this one because it did not feel like the universe. It did not feel part of this what we've just seen the last ten years. When they did that end game scene, I was like, this is a totally different movie. I did. I just didn't make any sense to me. And I, I'm telling you, after that scene, I actually sat there like, no. I I, I actually got very sad. <laughs> like, what are they gonna do? And, and in my head, I, I already wonder... played out Endgame already. I already know what's gonna happen. Yeah, me too. I wonder if there was uh, if there was ever a time where this movie was supposed to come after Endgame, and hmm. maybe they like maybe she wasn't supposed to have a part of Endgame, and maybe for the reason they felt they needed her or Marvel or Disney told them no, we need a female superhero. I wonder. I'm really starting to wonder now. Well, it's a Wonder because Woman we've been thing, talk- right? When, when did right. when did they flesh out Wonder Woman, and then you have to put a timeline in Captain America, uh, to Captain Marvel? Because you're right. right. If they if they put this one after Endgame, I think I'd be I would have been way happier, just way happier. Well, I don't think the movie would have been better, but <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> no, yeah, right. She but I don't want to see her in Endgame. I don't want her there. I want the the fight of the original. With the people that we've been seeing the last ten right. years, I want them. I want, for goodness' sakes, Jonathan. If this movie's three hours long, you're telling me an hour that's devoted to Captain Marvel. Better not be. Oh, I'm gonna be very upset. But how do you not now? Because we they they said it before. All the trailers of Endgame have been the first thirty minutes. She's there. She's gonna be an this established l- storyline in this Endgame thing. No, this scene, that scene they showed the mid credit scene better end with. With her going, where's Fury? And Black Widow going, like, uh, he's at the store. He, we're good. You can go home. <laughs> and she flies away. She flies away and they go back to business. Um, right. I just don't uh, – I, 
forgot where I was going with this. Uh, oh yeah, and, and here's the weird thing too, because we we look we always we always gush about Marvel's casting, even when we think they messed up. Paul Rudd, um, we we see the movie and like, okay, we were wrong, you know. I this she was cast soon after winning the Academy Award, and I think they got stars in her eyes and like because technically she's the biggest. If you think about when when they, everybody was first cast. Technically, she's the biggest name to be first cast. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So maybe they got stars around. It's like, oh, we have the opportunity to get the, you know the the current Academy Award winner for Best Actress. Let's sign her. She got the most money for her first film than any of them. Yeah. By she far. Was, she te- yeah, she technically has the pedigree. I mean, even though everybody knew Robert Downey Jr. was a great actor, and he had some Academy Award nominations, he was still coming off of the. You know, getting drunk, getting high, and, and breaking to people's houses and falling asleep on the couch. Yeah. You know, he was coming out of that. <laughs> and um, and everybody else, I mean, look, Chris Pratt was the fat guy from Parks and Rec. Right. So uh, she was the biggest name. She had the biggest pedigree. So maybe they got stars in her eyes. He goes, oh, we're, we're casting for a blonde female superhero. Wonder Woman, DC's working on Wonder Woman. They got Patty Jenkins. Um, what are we going to do? We need a Wonder Woman. I can definitely see their meeting being going someone saying to Kevin Feige, hey, why don't we have a Wonder Woman? <laughs> because know? Wonder Woman did so well, right? I mean it almost well reinvigorated I, I the DC movie, cinematic universe. I don't I would have to see the timeline of when Wonder Woman came out and when they started making this movie. Right. Uh, I don't know if this movie might have been made in the middle of production when Wonder Woman came out. But even the fact of um because you know, Wonder Woman was in Dawn of Justice, and people were saying she was one of the best things of Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I, I could see some studio head going to Kevin Feige, like, "Why don't we have a Wonder Woman?" But we we and, did we did have strong female characters. I mean, Black Widow, right? I mean, Scarlet Witch. I mean, these are legit characters. Yeah. I mean, and they introduced three more in Black Panther last year: Koye, Dora Milaje, and um, Shuri. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so and like we've been waiting for that it. Black Widow movie also. I mean, it's like I would love to have, um, you know, Scarlett Johansson be that, that well, I guess because her contract's up. Maybe that's what it is. But well, no, we're not. getting She's, a Black Widow movie. That's right. We're getting a TV show. <laughs> we are getting – no, we're getting a Black Widow movie. Oh, yeah. we're Yeah, you're right. We are. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're making a Black Widow movie. I, I don't know why they didn't just move forward with that. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, no you're right about that. It's yeah, – okay – positives of the movie i'm not i'm not okay. gonna lie i saw stan lee in those that marvel logo i i didn't tear up but i you know my eyes welled up a little bit you know i was like oh stan i was i was like so they what they do in the when they do the marvel studio logo where they usually have the heroes you know as they they go through the, the letters of marvel or whatever and they pull away so it says Marvel Studios. It was all pictures of Stan Lee's, like his cameos. And there's even some pictures there, like personal pictures I saw in there. So oh, no. oh yeah, cool. that's right. Yeah, with him and Robert yeah. Downey, I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, so um, I thought that was a great trivia. And it said, thank you, Stan. Um, right I right at the beginning. I, I love that it was right yeah. there, you know. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was classy. It was a great move. Uh, whoever thought that up, good job. And then his his cameo was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the first time he ever played himself in a Marvel movie, I think. But didn't so he, was what really... was he saying? Also, he was saying something almost like over and over again. Do you remember what? Yeah. He he, well, did you see what he? Did you see what he was reading? No, I don't recall. He was reading the script of Mallrats. 
But you're, oh, no kidding. Yeah. And so what was he, he was saying? Stan Lee. Yeah. He's practicing his lines because remember he had a big part in Mallrats. Yeah. Yeah, so he's practicing his lines. He had to script the mole rats on the train. Oh, he was reading his okay, lines. Okay, I got it. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. It sounded like he was just talking in a loop. I was like, wait, what, what is, what's going on? I, I didn't get it. Right. He kept saying something like, you know, Excelsior, young man, or something. Like, he was practicing it. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's, I cool. thought that was, that's very cool. I, I like it. And that was like the only nod to the 90s I enjoyed in this movie. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. He's playing himself. Yeah. You know, he's 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 practicing his role for mole, mole rats. Yeah. He's got the mole rat script in his hand. I'm like, oh, that was – and she, I even liked the little smile she gave him. They said they added that later. Do you think the 90s uh, – this sounds weird because we do, we do a, an 80s, 90s podcast. Do you think the 90s isn't as nostalgic enough? I think for us it isn't because we didn't yeah. grow that time. And, so, okay, and that's so let's say do you, do you honestly think there's someone like that that was in that time period that says, "Oh, wow, cool blockbuster." Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The, there were people all around me like like they laughed when they when he pointed to Radio Shack, people laughed and oh, you know, I thought they that was laughed pretty, on yeah, blockbuster yeah. first. Game. That was pretty cool. No, I get it. I mean, yeah. you know, if you think about it, if they showed two guys or something, we'd be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's so. True. Uh, yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah, the nostalgia's just not meant for us. We were adults at that point, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, literally, when they do '90s references, to me, that it was just like last week. You know, it's, oh. it's just not so. It's not far enough away from me because, you know, Blockbuster only just like completely closed just just last year. Uh, the last yeah. story, I should say, you know, but. Yeah, but my thing is like if if that doesn't bother me if if it's the nostalgia for the kids or for the, for the younger people. My thing is that they hit you over the head with it. And I thought about it. I said, if I replaced all, you know, if this took place in the 80s and I replaced all these 90s songs with 80s songs, but I still felt like it was too much, and I think I would have. Mm. I really do. I think it was just too too many reminders. You know, it's it's not again, it's, you know, it's nudging you on see, see, we're in the 90s. This takes place 25 years ago. Look how, look how things were back then. Oh my God, she had to use a payphone. Oh my God, blockbuster. There are actually video cassettes, you know what I mean? Yeah. People yeah. like people let, in the nineties when they were playing the black box, the meat the 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 recording from the black box and they had to wait for the computer to load. First of all, in the movies it would load quicker because they don't have time. That wouldn't be a joke because that's how the world worked. You know what I mean? Right. They wouldn't make a joke out of how long it took something to load. But to stop the movie, show the screen and the bar loading and for Captain Marvel to even reference it, like what's going on? Yeah, you know, it's just it it pulls you out of it. Right. It should have been put it in, open it up, and listen to it. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it totally killed the pacing on that. Yeah, timing. it's that, and you know what else? Other things. And why is Shield so Shield in 1980? What was it, 88 or 89? When did the beginning of Ant Man and the Wasp take place? When Hank Pym was de-aged, oh. remember? Yeah. They were building the Triskillion, right? Yeah, they were. So, yeah. So, why is why is Nick Fury driving around in a in an early late eighties <laughs> sedan? You right, know, in nineteen ninety five, yeah. I bought my first car. Yeah, my first car, my first new car in nineteen ninety five. They look kind of similar to what they look like now. Because remember, in the eighties, they were all boxy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they started getting curves in the nineties. That's right. And, and he should have had a better car. Yeah. <laughs> and he should have had some kind of. You know, Tony uh, Howard Stark existed. There was, there should have been some kind of tech, right? That they knew about, you know, and right. they didn't know about aliens in nineteen ninety five. Shield didn't know about aliens yet, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just saying. All right. Well, let's go back to what we like about it. I like the Stanley Campbell. I like the tribute. If you like Parks and Rec, my daughter said uh, Captain Marvel reminded her of Leslie Nopes from uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, really? Amy Poehler's character. Well, she says yeah, she no, kind of looks like him, and they have that same hairstyle and stuff. Yeah, but the, but they're very different personalities because I love <laughs> Leslie Nope. <laughs> Actually, tell your daughter she reminds you of April Ludgate. It's actually not as funny. It's not as funny. There you go. Uh, she's just just annoying. Um, I, like I said, I like the kind of twist of the scrolls being good, even though that might ruin some future plans. Like we were really looking forward to Secret Invasion, but the other thing is maybe they're doing Galactus. So, Galactus. but now I don't want. Like I said, okay. I don't want a big. T- I don't want a big uh, build up. You know. Yeah. I don't want a big ten year build up again. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it after this. Not if she's if she's the figurehead of the next ten years of Marvel, I can't do it. So as far as we know, all we have right now is probably more Captain Marvel movies. You said the Eternals. Black Widow. Black Widow. Spider Man. Black Widow is supposed to be an, it's an origin movie. I don't think it's supposed to be part of No, that's true. Well, you never know. They might retcon it. Huh. Okay. Let's look at oh, we have to talk about the retconning they did in this movie, which okay. pissed me off, dude. What? Uh how they got the Avengers initiative name. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And how Fury lost his eye. That was just dumb. That was so stupid. And and every time he heard his eye, no, no, it's, I'm fine. You know, like you're just waiting for it to be okay, oh, because this is the reason a cat's crashing in the eyeball. Doesn't that totally castrate, metaphorically castrate Fury and how, how much of a badass he is? Yeah, a little bit. And and I thought in Winter Soldier, didn't he lose the eye when he was working with Robert Redford's character or something like that? Is that what they said? Um, okay, I misunderstood. I don't remember that. Well, when it, like when he say, remember Robert Redford was in an embassy stuck somewhere? Well, yeah. Where he went against orders and saved everybody. I thought that's what he lost the eye. Oh, that's right. He did say something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I just. Oh, but then, but they allude to in this movie that he confabulates things too. Okay, fine, but whatever. I I, I thought that was so stupid. A stupid reason for him to lose his eye. And the cat. I I was not impressed with the cat. And the little surprise that the cat has. And oh my god, I totally called. The, did you stay to the very end or no? Yeah. No, I told you it didn't happen, so you can't blame that one on me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I called that scene. I was sitting there with my friend after the mid-credit scene, and I said, well, they usually do one serious and one funny, and then we got the serious one. I said, watch this be some stupid scene about the cat spitting up the uh, the Tesseract. That's exactly what it was. Wonderful. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when they first showed the Tesseract, I totally um, zoned out of the movie for about five minutes because I'm so- I was trying to trace the timeline of the Tesseract. Because I'm thinking, like, I don't think it's supposed to be there. In 1990. Well, what happened was, the last thing we saw was Howard Stark. Well, I thought Howard Stark, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and then we don't see it again until Avengers 1. No. Uh, Yeah, Avengers 1, right? Yeah. You see the Tesseract? Right. Yeah. So it's possible. Maybe S.H.I.E.L.D. gave it to Project Pegasus or whatever. Sure. I don't know. Well. Yeah, so, look, I'm not, it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's tomato rate rating is a seventy nine with the critics and a fifty two percent with the audience, but there's some drama going on with the audience score because um, Rotten Tomatoes either late yesterday yeah late yesterday deleted fifty four thousand user reviews 
saying that they were done by bots. Now, I don't know how the whole bot thing works. Right. Um, but now it's back up to, because it was down to 31%. Yeah. They deleted, they deleted 54,000 reviews and left about 4,000 up. So, and, and then, and the funny thing is after they deleted all those reviews, it went from 31 to 36. So it went up 5%. <laughs> now it's at 52 with 31,000 user ratings. Now, are there other bots involved to get that many? I don't know. Um, okay, 50, 52%. Where do you fall in that percentile there for audience score? What, what, what percent do you give it? Well, if it's a five-star thing, I'd give it two stars. Okay. So that's below – that's two, two, four. That's 40%. I would give it 40%. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, so the, the critics have it at 79%. Top critics have it at 65%. Yeah, and it said it made sixty million Thursday and Friday total on track for one hundred fifty-five for the weekend. I don't know if that's true, but um, I don't know. And I hate that there's all this social controversy around it. You know, yeah, it was a little too much. I mean, boy, it's when when I think about Wonder Woman, it, it wasn't like in your face. This was almost like in your face. You know, right in your face. It was like it was like right. shoveling down my mouth. Uh, the themes behind it, it, it kind of took me out of the movie. Again, it's 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 weird. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the the same kind of Marvel movies that that we've that we've seen. Right. It's just very very different. I give it. I I give this three stars. I'm not going to go down to two. Three in the sense of if I didn't take this as a Marvel movie, if I didn't include this in what I've been seeing the last ten years. As a typical popcorn flick, eh, it is what it is. You know, like if, if I think of it as a buddy flick, a little comedy, a little of this, a little of that, I'll take it as is, you know. But when you see the end scene and you see what a quality film is like, that that goes way down to a two, two stars. Yeah. You know, when, if I'm making that comparison. So I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm trying to look at it from, from two different points of views, from just a popcorn flick like watching Bumblebee or Venom or Transformers, things like that. Um, you know, they're not stellar, but I guess entertaining. Um, it's something, it's something I, I would say if it went on Netflix, I I don't think I would watch again because there's really nothing to watch. And definitely if you have, I mean, if you made it this far and you've been spoiled, you can honestly tell other people you do not need this movie for Endgame. You just don't, you really don't. Everything you need to know about Captain Marvel, you saw in the trailers already. That's it. You do not need and the mid credit the mid credit scene is a scene pulled directly from Endgame, so you you know you don't need to see it <laughs> <laughs> until you see Endgame. So that's I mean, right. Yeah, it's 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 you just do not need this movie for Endgame. It almost seems like it almost seems like at this point they have to tie all these little. I want to say I'm not gonna say lesser films, but you know Ant Man's not a like a top tier hero in Ant Man and Wasp. It almost seems like they have to tie in. Endgame just for the sake of attaching it to Endgame, you know, right? Just to kind of maybe help it along. And Captain Marvel, I guess, probably needed it because I, I would definitely say a part of me was wanting to watch this movie to see a little bit more of Endgame. But now that I've seen it, I told you, I felt I sat there like, no, I can't believe they're going to do this, and they are. Right. I you can see the writing on the wall already. Because well, it's funny that what you just said made me think of something. It's like they're trying to force us to accept Captain Marvel as a as a primary hero as opposed to a secondary hero. She's she's more of an Ant Man uh 
and and well, she's more of an Ant Man than she is a Captain America. You know? Yeah, yeah. She, she, I don't. I mean, they're gonna look to her to be a leader and stuff like that. Because frankly, I'll be honest, with you, I think the Wasp has more personality and has more leadership ability than her. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I don't. There's another one we even bring up. You know, we we totally forgot about the Wasp too. She's very capable. I'd, I'd watch a Wasp solo movie. Oh yes, for um, sure. I don't definitely, know. Definitely. I, I, look, I, I think it was a bad convergence of bad writing, bad directing, and I don't know that either Brie felt like she had to act a certain way, or felt like she can act like her her normal acting skills, or maybe she just can't act well with other adults. Maybe kids is where she she excels. I don't know. Because I like the I like the room. She was good in room. Um, but look at yeah, I, I don't know. Look at the Earthbound heroes. You know, for example, Iron Man, Captain America. Uh, you know, Black Widow, Hawkeye. I mean, they are human, just imbued with special things. So I mean, so I I can get their point of view. They know how to how to maybe flesh out that character. Thor, however, is different. He is not from Earth. But you can see his his personality shows through. I can see that character. Brie Larson just says, "Oh, I'm an alien. Okay, I, I guess I, I'm supposed to be like a robot." I mean, there is nothing special. There's absolutely nothing unique about who she is as a character. I mean, I, I, you and I just said it. The best the best parts of her character is when she's not Captain Marvel. It's yeah. when she's trying not to be the alien person, but trying to be like human. And when she's not, I don't think. She was directed enough to say, "This is how this character is supposed to be," you know. Right. Be be this, you know, like Ripley. You know, a very strong female character has actually a personality. This one has zero personality, zero right. none. It's zero. almost as if she was directed to be like the only way people take you seriously as a strong female character is if you act like a male. Oh my god, that's and a good point. That's where the problem is. She at yeah. no point is she uh, is strong female character. She's just trying to be a strong character. Yeah, and I don't know that she needed to do that. I need a and bell sound. I don't know if that's ding, her. Ding ding ding! You just I don't know if that's her acting choice or the director's choice. You know what I'm saying? Like like. Well, your director, director said, well, that's this... the director's point of it, isn't it? Isn't that the director's right. supposed Maybe. to do? Yeah, like this is how strong females act. If a man can do it, you you, you can do it. Like I even rolled my eyes when when uh, the scroll called the friend a uh, young lady. She's like, "You call me young lady again?" I'm like, "Stop it!" I'm like, "This is." You're 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 more offended by the fact she got more offended by the fact that he called her young lady than the fact that he threatened his daughter's life with a duplicate of her. Right. Did you see how easily that rolled off her shoulders? Yeah. Oh yeah. And she meant it, she's meeting aliens for the first time. This doesn't shake her up at all. Right. <laughs> right. The aliens right there has your kid. Can and obviously they don't know what these people's you know good or bad. You know they, right. it's got your kid and just duped you and that's what bothers you the most. Yeah, so I'm just <laughs> I, directors, I guess, I guess, but you could be a strong female character without having to quote unquote act like a man. That's right. not the way to do it. Right, right. It's not the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. and that's why that's why people love the Wasp. They love Scarlet Witch. They love Black Widow. Look, Black Widow and Scarlet Witch had one of the best scenes in Infinity War when when the girl was about to kill um, uh, Scarlet Witch and she goes, "You're gonna die alone," and Black Widow's like, uh, "She's not alone." I was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then her, and then her and, and Scarlet Witch kicked her butt. I was like, "Yeah, get her." Right. So, I don't get it, dude. What? What have um, Anna Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, the director? What? What have they done? Anything that we know of? 
Uh, yeah, I'm looking up their, their IMDb. Half Nelson, Sugar. It's kind oh. of funny story in Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi Grind. That's a popular one, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think Boy, looking at their credentials, they haven't done much. One, Do two, they always direct together? It looks like it, yeah. Well, here's the thing with these two. Just like... Um, you know, we can name a lot of the directors of the of the, a lot of the Marvel movies, but you know, we talked about this. I don't remember what episode, but we talked about the director of Spider-Man: Homecoming. We're like, who is it? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird how we know all these other directors, and then for some reason, this like Homecoming was more about the character than about the directors. You know, so maybe this this movie was more about the characters than the director. Yeah, I guess. I mean, again, looking at their yeah, IMDb thing, they do a movie every four years. Yeah, and he had a, a the, the Spider-Man director didn't doesn't really have a big, um, you know, very popular list of stuff that he's mm, done. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if this because look with with Tony with Iron Man they used Favreau, who had a reputation. When they introduced Thor, they had uh, geez, what's his name? The guy that does Shakespeare all the time, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Big reputation, Joe Johnson for Captain America. So if you're going to introduce Captain Marvel, maybe you don't start with these novice directors. Yeah. 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 Because I really yeah. think if if Brie was directed better, my, I think – well, definitely my mind I think would change a little bit in regards to her as a character. But storyline is still the same. The writing right. is, is – again, I'm watching this movie and I, I know way too much more than I should – and I'm just waiting for her to catch up to me. Right. You know? Maybe that's why I was bored because I'm like, well, I know all this stuff. I got to wait for her to figure it out. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, all right, move well, along, the figure it out. The directors were two of the writers on this thing. Oh, were they really? Yeah. Okay, well. oh yeah. Did they learn right. nothing from Ryan Johnson? <laughs> Don't <laughs> let him direct and write. <laughs> Yeah, and look, I, I look. I mean, most of the CGI was good, but that space battle. Yeah, she totally looked fake. Oh, it was. I was watching a video game. Yeah, it was just it was it was that Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One that smoothness to the face a lot. Yeah, even yeah. Col- there was a scene. I think it was the last scene. Coulson, when Coulson lets them by, uh, in the stairwell, yeah. young Coulson, he looked like. Oh, I forgot. I just kept. I kept seeing his face. Oh, I can't remember now. But it looked like this dude uh, for a minute. I'm like, is that so and so? I kept saying to myself, oh. like, oh no, that's Colson. I forget. Oh man, I can't remember who it was now. Shoot. Again, that oh, that I, scene was kind of like he looked weird, like a, a robot. You know, like yeah. if there was like robot Colson, that's it. And he was he didn't need to be there. That was just fan service. He could have had any shield agent. There was nothing that he did was specifically Colson. All right, Jonathan. Final thoughts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I think it's the first time I ever said this for a Marvel movie, but you can skip it. It's, uh, you know, there's, uh, at least 17 other Marvel movies you can watch before you watch this. Uh, it has no impact on whether or not you'll understand Endgame. So if you're on the fence about it, I'd say skip it. Um, I will say this. I am shocked. I'm not blaming Brie Larson more. I thought she would be the problem with this movie, but it really does come down to directing and writing, I think. And I think with, with the right, uh, tools Brie could do a serviceable job as Captain Marvel, and uh, if she's the future of the next wave of Marvel movies, then um, m- much like my Star Wars movies, I'm going to be more selective. I guess what I watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you 100. Um, I, I 
you know, as much as maybe I thought I was going to blame Brie, but it's it's really not her fault. It's just how she's directed and whatnot. And, uh, and you know, maybe she does need... They probably need to give Captain Marvel a couple more movies to really understand who this person is. My my only... I'm telling you, if, if I was enjoying myself through the movie because it was just a popcorn flake, fine. But when I hit that mid-credits uh, scene... I was very depressed. Yeah. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a public service announcement. Read a book called The Better Angels of Our Nature. And it's a guy who wrote it um, talking about – and he used – the whole book is stats heavy. And it's kind of hard to get through the stats part. But when you do, it's really interesting. It's just basically showing how the world is so much better off in all areas of life than it was years ago. You know, there are less people dying of starvation. There's less war. We're less racist. There's less inequality. And he's got the stats to prove. And it's worldwide stats. It's not just U.S. or Netherlands or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a really good – it's called The Better Angels of Our Nature. And, and who's I, the writer? Steven Pinkner. Okay. Wow, I don't know where I pulled that out from. But, <laughs> um, it's actually a better listen because I'll be – I audible it because yeah, yeah. I was reading. I was falling asleep with all the stats. <laughs> so, like, maybe I should listen to this when I drive. So, I yeah. All right, cool. All right, great. Alan, where can people find us? Well, if you're listening to us, you know we are on iTunes, Spotify, any place you can hear podcasts. You're hearing us now, so I guess you figured it out. Facebook, Nerdemy Podcast, Instagram, Nerdemy, Twitter, Nerdemy Podcast. Jonathan, you just did a YouTube box opening. What was that about again? Oh, you're such a neophyte. It's an unboxing, not a box opening. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's uh, the Star Wars Smuggler's Bounty Funko Pop uh, Dagobah. Uh, pretty good. I, I, most hits I've ever gotten in two days, so I'm very excited about that. Thank you guys if you watched it. And uh, leave some um, feedback. Let me know how uh, I did. I, I was a little loopy from work, so I I thought at the time I was making some funny jokes, but in retrospect, uh, I just sound like a dad. Apparently, I, I make dad jokes without being a dad. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say that 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 first five minutes, I think it was probably the most entertained I've seen you. It was great for video, let's put it that way. I, I thought. Yeah. I, I was happy with it. So, uh, yeah, we got that. And, you know, you, you made a good point. If they're listening to us, they know where to find us. So maybe we need to drop that part of our <laughs> of our exit. Um, also, I don't know if you'll mind me saying, uh, if you're a big fan of Game of Thrones, me and Jay from Enter Nerd Zone have a separate podcast called Gab of Thrones, G-A-B of Thrones. You can hear us anywhere you hear Nerd and Me or Enter the Nerd Zone. What we're doing is we're doing a review of each episode of Season 7. And leading up to the final season of Game of Thrones, where we'll do a, a review of each episode as they come out. Um, we're really enjoying it, and uh, we're, we're doing this weekend Season 7, Episode 3. So uh, hop, hop, hop on now if you haven't listened. Go back and listen to the previous two episodes. It's a lot of fun. Very good. Okay. Till next time. Marvel! Peace. Peace.